Hello, everyone. This is Rob. This is going to be a tonal whiplash of sorts this week in the wake of the tragic news of the passing of Luke Perry, who plays Fred Andrews on Riverdale. Of course, our condolences go out to his family and friends and to everyone who was brought joy by the work he did. The human body is fragile and unpredictable, but we have to live in it. Be kind to each other. Are you guys ready for like this? I'm not. I've realized that. I'm like, oh, holy shit! I'm not even ready for this. No, this is this. This was a thing that happened, and I watched. There's, <clears throat> there's a lot, but. Kat, you have the unique once-in-a-lifetime honor of introducing this episode. How do I do it? Oh, my God. Okay. Your friends are here to support you. Listeners, welcome to Riverdews and Riverdon'ts for a truly special episode. They're all, I think they're all very special episodes, but this one, <laughs> this one, um, it's a little more special than the others. To, well, I'll go through our format first, <laughs> and then I'll just, uh, and then I'll just intro it, huh? So... Yeah. Boy. So first, first we're gonna we're gonna go through a summary, and then we're gonna take you through our river dew, which is the thing we like most about the episode, and then our river don't, the thing that we didn't like that typically put us off, made us uncomfortable, that we wish did not happen. And then we're going to take you through our weekly weird witch man. Spoiled for choice this week. A no veritable kidding. buffet. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, without further ado, let me introduce chapter 31, A Night to Remember, which was directed by Jason Stone and written by Arabella Anderson and Tessa Lee Williams. I'm Kat. I'm Rob. <laughs> and I'm Quinn. And this is you a guys, musical. Like motherfucking musical episode. Wow. Oh my gosh. There's so much. There's There's so much. So much. There's so much. Listeners, listeners, I would ask you if you're ready, but I know the answer's no, no and neither are <laughs> this we. This is Riverdale. No one's ever ready. But like, Definitely not for a musical. I'm especially not ready for this. Oh, uh, and in case you were wondering, I, yes, I mean, I'm just... the auto-tune is on. Oh, <laughs> there's going to be some bones to pick with the audio engineers and the musical composers who sort of put this piece together. I know they can do better. Wowza. Can and I don't care because it's Riverdale. <sighs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we, we have to do it. I'm just going to do it, you guys. Let's start talking about <clears throat> it. Let's just start breaking it down. So, Kevin is asking Jughead, as we open, on a like handheld camera situation, uh, to be a videographer for the behind-the-scenes documentary of a high school production of a musical. You know, like you do. Uh, usually you do a behind-the-scenes documentary for such a thing. Uh, I do like, though, that this keeps Jughead on brand as essentially someone who is in a narrator role. Not a bad use of Jug. No, no, it, it, it's on brand. We then cut, as the music begins, <laughs> to Archie push-up studying. He's pu doing push-ups, reading that script. Doing push-ups, reading a script, turning pages between push-ups. Question for both of you. Wow. Is Archie not on a sports team? I think he's on all That's of them. <laughs> okay. That's my answer. Yeah. What Quinn said. So, I I was a 
a, both a sports person and a theater person in a high school, and you had to pick one. You couldn't, you can't do both of them at the same time. You got to pick one. Not if you're Archie Andrews. <laughs> he can also do music and terrorism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got so, so much time for extracurriculars that... It's fine. He can make toilet guns. It's a... Uh, Archie is... Archie has a time turner, and he uses it for this. He's gonna push up and and sing, which is a pretty Archie it's, thing to do in this show. Yeah, no, he's doing push-ups and reading the script for the musical. We then check in with the main kids getting ready for school as a song about generic high school anxieties yep. goes down. Good. Parallelism is a theme for this episode, and sometimes it's fucking shockingly on point. Oh, yeah. Fred offers to help build sets for the musical. Uh, happy that Archie's getting back into music. And my God, Fred is too forgiving of his shitty son. Oh, whatever, Dad. Who cares? I don't care. And Archie, it turns out, is hiding the car that Hiram he got for him, so which I'm bad. sure will end he well. so bad. Uh, we then cut to the kids getting ready to rehearse, doing some zip-zap-zop nonsense. It's very, very good. Oh. But this scene quickly takes a turn. <laughs> very... But well, there's a good part first. Well, here's the thing: we cut briefly to the documentary cam, and this like is a I'm getting, I'm getting frame device slash narrative artifice whiplash. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. This is a really already hyper real TV show that is doing a musical episode that has documentary cam segments to it. It's like I half expect us to zoom out and like it's actually an illustration in a storybook that's being read to some other There's character. There's quite a lot going yes. on. There's also the persistent like why are these the theater kids as well? It just, there's there's so much. I, I had a thought in my mind during this episode, which is I would like to see one of these shows once do an episode about like putting on a play or interacting with the theater kids where it's only the one character and then there's a cast of like 12 <laughs> new weird- New other kids. Surprisingly horny theater kids. <laughs> yeah, it's not, that would be a more honest depiction for sure. But- this show is not concerned with how things actually no, work. No, but yeah, that like that cut in and out of the documentary cam is a lot. People are not happy about Cheryl being cast as Carrie White, and we discover, you guys, Alice Cooper is cast as Mrs. White, and that's the goddamn best. There's nothing more because... amateur than age-inappropriate casting. Yes. Which, for a teen <laughs> drama... On the CW is a wonderful thing to say. It's so funny. Oh, it's such it's so a burn. Funny. My God, it is. I just the shade. It's so this funny, is... and I mean, like they largely most of the most of the main actors were roughly age appropriate. You know that they all right, like on like the nineteen to like twenty one side of things. Yes, yeah. which not fifteen. No, but. It's a lot closer than this, 35. Yeah. This show just threw the double deuces to the network that it's, it's on. It's so funny. <laughs> it was so good. So, yeah, Alice. Alice is here. And then things get... Which is good. Really bad. They do. Guess who's back? Did you guess Chuck Clayton? <laughs> if you did, I'm sorry, but you're right. Did you guess... On top of his already horrific presence, he is explicitly selling this to everyone as a rebranding. <sighs> Fuck you. Yes, he. They, okay, they're doing reality show style confessional interviews. Jughead is doing with this handheld camera, and he's like talking about wanting to use this role to change people's minds about him. And like, Chuck should not be in this musical. Chuck should be out there fucking a dumpster full of discarded razors. My notes say, don't sell it as a rebrand, you cock nugget. I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. We then cut to Archie and Betty discussing their roles, and Archie's like, pretty weird, huh? Having us play boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Jughead gets jealous as he films it, and but it's in like sort of a self-aware way, and it's adorable and so stupid. It's teens. Yeah. It's very teens. Very pure. They discuss the strain between the main four, and Betty essentially at this point believes that Veronica has lied to Archie. And honestly, even though she's wrong, 
assuming that Archie was just dumb makes all of the sense. <laughs> Archie? Like, that he was just completely not aware of what was going on is, like, you know, nine times out of ten, that's the safe assumption. Archie is a beautiful case study in never attribute to malice what you can attribute to ignorance. And unfortunately, in this one case, it's wrong. Yes. And Betty is throwing is some fireballs at Veronica and her reputation. Mm-hmm. It is vicious. Mm-hmm. Not particularly wrong, yeah. most of it, but yeah. yikes. Cheryl interrupts the rehearsal to confront the fact that people are complaining about her casting, and Kevin, oh God, this is so funny, tries to stop her from summoning the music <laughs> and theatrical accoutrement, yeah. but he fails, and she steamrolls ahead and uh. like drags the scene into musical hyper-reality. No, stop. We're not ready. <laughs> no, don't do it. There's and the still music time, swells Cheryl, and the camera back. shifts. <laughs> I loved this. Why is it like this? It w- it could potentially raise questions if we'd bothered to think, but why would we? <laughs> oh, that's the tales not what from this the dark side's canon. We're living in this yeah. world now. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Stop trying to think, Cat, and come make trash angels well, with us. I mean, we're we're there, and this is like this is one that's particularly auto tuned, and I'm like, yeah, it's good. It, R- Riverdale right. good. It, yeah. I will say that Cheryl gets better as the episode goes on, but this one was a little cringy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the... I have some theories about the music. One, there is a lot of auto-tune. Everyone feels like they've been EQ'd into like a very, very strangely restrictive range where like you can hear their voice trying to exist in another space on the auditory spectrum mm-hmm. and then just not letting it happen. So, like, it sounds very flat. Yeah, it's so sad. And then the, the underlying instrumentation. Well, and you can and you can kind of you can kind of tell which members of the cast have more confident singing. Voices. And mostly, it's Camila Mendez. Yeah. Um, and Lily uh, Reinhardt as well. But like, their voices sound more like human voices. Yes. And there's also like the the backing tracks. Like, they would sound fine if you were watching a stage musical, but at this level of hyper-reality, they're not nearly robust enough. And so it draws so much focus on the heavily, like, overproduced singing that you're left with nothing to distract you. Right, the arrangement is super vocal-centric, but they smashed the vocals down into, like, just the dead center of the harmonic spectrum for each person's voice. And it's all very unreal. Uh, But, you know... But I don't think we deserve better. Oh, God, no. no. God, no. God, no. This is Riverdale. No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Um, I'm going to so eat she this does meal. This... <laughs> <laughs> she does this song about how she's Carrie, which is probably a song from Carrie, and it's good. In its bad way. And a sandbag almost falls on her and kills her. Which is, you know, a deliberate carry reference that we're doing with that. And we cut to a confessional with Kevin, who shows that there is a cut-out magazine threat letter claiming to be from the Black Hood, of all people. And Kevin rightly points out that the Black Hood's priority being wanting to derail a high school musical, or at least cause a recast of the lead role, is perhaps a little bit unrealistic. But frankly, in the context of Riverdale, I don't know that it is. (laughs) And something that must be pointed out about this scene is that Kevin has been waiting to say the show must go on for his entire life. Yes, (laughs) Kevin's so cute. And I'm so happy for him. him. Betty and Archie are doing a musical number across, like, opposite Veronica and Chuck. And it's the two couples from the Carrie musical, one couple being good people and one couple being evil. And the 70s costuming and dancing is amazing. It is. It's oh. so cute. The, so like, good. Like, the staging is the opposite of the music itself in how fucking good yeah, it is. They know how to have people set up, wear clothes, and dance. It's really cute. It's really, really cute. I love it. We hard cut to a Varchi makeout session, and Archie requests to park his ill-gotten car at the Pembroke for a while because he just doesn't know how to talk to his dad about it. Well- 
Maybe. Because... R- Archie, maybe that feeling in your heart is shame. <laughs> but, Rob, he also <laughs> says, quote, our dads are literal rivals. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Kill me. That's I, a lot. I don't like him. Why is he like this? Ugh. We then cut to Hermione and Hiram discussing the election. And Hiram gloats about how isolated from his family Fred Andrews is. And uh, he's like, oh, all we need to do is keep it that way. Yes, I know. I will be the wedge which splits apart the Andrews family. <laughs> oh, God. My, will I reap a grim harvest. God damn it, Hiram. Jughead and Betty discuss the fake Black Hood note, and Betty is obviously very horny for a mystery right now. Oh, yeah. So it's Nancy Drew time. Uh, She talks to Ethel, who she rightly points out is, like, the real Carrie White in this whole situation. Oh, my God. she's really fishing very, very hard for incriminating talk, and it's really bad. She's so bad at this. She... And, like, Jughead is the worst surreptitious cameraman ever to exist, except, like, he's eclipsed in awfulness by how Betty, like, deliberately looks in a really stagey way right at him. That's really bad. And any of the investigative skills that I assumed that Betty Cooper had had from watching this before, they're apparently out the window. Much of it must be chalked up to pure recklessness. She's just like... She leans in with the hard questions immediately and is, like, very much leading the questionee. Ethel is not biting at this obvious bait. Yeah. And she's not very happy with being filmed in secret. Yeah. Um, so, a swing and a miss. Also, speaking of a swing and a miss, <laughs> F. Palace meets up at Pops. Alice wants F.P. to come watch the play, and it's really adorable. Oh, it is. But FP is really distant about it, and Alice gets really mad. And, like, I don't understand why this happened, but it's so that they can punch my heart in the dick it later. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Why? Why is he being distant? It doesn't make any Does sense. Does he feel bad because of the whole family situation? I don't know. I don't know. It's to motivate what happens later, and it's bad. I don't, it hurts, because she's being it's, so it's con- cute. It's conflict, and it's probably good conflict, but it's not properly motivated, because I was like, why did this scene yeah. happen? Yeah. I don't want to go see my new old girlfriend in this adorable... Like, no, of course he does. Because he does. And her trying yeah, to hit like, on him was reads, so fucking cute. It feels, it reads to me like he feels like he shouldn't want to go see her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so he's making himself not, but I don't really fully get why. He doesn't seem like that type. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it's bad. This is, this is not the same as like, well, then you should leave him at home. Yeah. Like, this is not the same dynamic, and I don't understand why, and it sucks. Right. Josie is uh, not happy to be playing a friendly, nurturing role towards Cheryl, Yeah, understandably, given the shocking canonicity of Tales from the Dark Side. And Cheryl literally stops the music to demand an opportunity to apologize because I will not have you hating me while we are trying to work together on the stage, which is the most Cheryl thing ever. But, like, despite how demanding and unreasonable it is, she does it in such an emotionally vulnerable way, which, again, brings me back to this is the Cherylist. Yeah, it's it's not it it it's very genuine. It's it's the most very it's 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 self-centered and dramatic. She says the words sort of so sorry for stalking you, you know, like she knows She's trying her damnedest in the most Cheryl way. Yeah. And like, even when she's like being ashamed of her past actions, she has to do it in a theatrical and unreasonable way. (laughs) (laughs) They sing and they hug it out, beginning a long string of forgivenesses (laughs) that I will say are a bit of a mixed bag. Well, that's... So I was thinking about like what I need from Chuck for me to be like, what do I need for me to be like, okay, you guys are handling this, okay? Because I get that he wants 
things to be okay and that he's doing stuff with his life that we aren't seeing that we're just getting reports of, you know? Mm-hmm. But yes. he hasn't been like, I am sorry, everybody, for yeah, all of the harassment that I have done. No sense of contrition. Like, yeah. And that's what gets me. Yeah, we'll we'll certainly get to that. Forgiveness is the theme of this episode, and it is handled with shocking breadth on the competence yeah. scale in the different instances. Um, Hiram is curious about why this sexy, sexy car is parked at the Pembroke, and he just, he gets so hard about how Fred's ego is going to be hurt by finding out about this car, and it's so gross. You mean that Archie hasn't told Fred about the <laughs> God <damn>. beautiful, <laughs> Please. powerful car? Please stop! 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 Just playing this this. clip of the show. (laughs) Yeah, it's Uh, it's gross. It's gross. I hate Um, it. (laughs) We cut to an ensemble number that the girls are putting on. Veronica is singing about how her daddy taught her to be evil in the world according to Chris. Wow. Whoever came up with the idea that Carrie the Musical weirdly echoes Riverdale... They got it! ...was they correct. They got it. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think this is the best... This is one of the better musical numbers in the episode, in my opinion. I really liked it's good. this one. I had one note about it, because I loved it. And I was like, why... Oh, this is great. Why are we sticking with Ronnie for the full musical number instead of doing the Riverdale thing where we, like, cut away to something important cut, yeah, happening? something else absurd... <laughs> Yeah, that's a weirdly non-Riverdale thing. And totally, like, we need to find something tonally completely <laughs> different to show without dialogue yeah. during this, and we, we didn't, didn't do, do it, it, which is odd. It feels really odd because, like, this was good, so it was an opportunity yeah. to do something, and they just didn't. Okay, They'll do I mean, it for I, I, milkshake. I hate, yeah, they do. Um, I hate to be this guy, but I have to be this guy. Why is a lap dance part of the choreography in a high school musical. And yeah. here's the thing. Oh. Oh. Here is the thing, Weeaboo. <laughs> He's got feelings. He does. He's got opinions. He feels, he feels them when he feels them. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. A weird old man approached me wanting to buy the house next door, and I don't, like, know anyone who lives there, and it was odd. Fascinating. Yeah, it seemed like he had a lot of questions. Yeah, he, he, he was one of those people who just wants to tell you his life story. <laughs> yep. Um, so, Jesus, where were we? We were at the lap dance. Yeah, so I was like, why, why the fuck is a lap dance part of the choreography of a high school musical? And here's the thing, it doesn't matter. If it's Carrie the Musical or Riverdale that's at fault for this, because both of those are high school setting things. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. And like, this is traumatic for Veronica, which for at least, at least they give an acknowledgement to it. Like she gets this look like, oh my God, I'm super uncomfortable yeah. with this because she's giving a lap dance to Chuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This grossed me out. Yeah. Even though the musical number was good and fun. Like that moment, like grossed me out. And even though, I mean, I guess I'm happier that they acknowledged it in the text than not acknowledging it. But still, I was like, Ugh. yeah. After the number, Betty points out how Veronica and Chris from the play are totally the same person, and like she's got knives out at this she's point. Being such, she's being a dick. Like, yeah, it's not like she's wrong, but she is being a huge dick. She's going really hard. I feel like she's really upset about giving her the benefit of the doubt and having been wrong. Mm. Yeah, I mean... I feel like she is the kind of person who just digs in and, like, goes in for the kill. When she is upset with someone, she gets into that mode where she's, like, her heels are dug in and she just tries to hurt the other person. Sure. And and she's doing it. Like, she's doing it really well. Yeah. And it's, it's uncomfortable to watch in front of everybody. And she's been disappointed a lot lately. Yeah. Then we cut to Archie being like, how can you be so mean to her, to Betty? It's clear from the way that they're having this conversation, it feels like Archie doesn't realize that they're on camera, even though Jughead is like 75% in the center of his field of vision, and he like turns the head toward the camera. <laughs> yeah. But he reminds 
Betty of how quickly Veronica forgave her about the nasty stuff she was doing when Black Hood was threatening to kill people if she didn't, as though that were somehow equivalent and she needs to forgive Veronica too? Yeah. Which I didn't love. Yeah, no. I mean, I buy Archie thinking that that works. Yeah. But it's stupid. Yes. So the love ballad that they then practice between Betty and Archie is not Jughead's very favorite thing. Jughead, come on. And we discover here that KJ Appa really needs to only sing John Mayer style music because when he's doing like musical style music and having to put more power in his voice, it doesn't work. And it made me sad. Yeah. And then Betty approaches Veronica to apologize in song as though something has happened between her being justifiably mad at her and now. Yep. It hasn't. Nope. 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 But I will say from a like a compositional and a musical standpoint, this duet, much better. At least it's at least it's these two singing. Yeah, much like better. they're kind of the ones who can. <laughs> so, yeah, Hiram can't stand any more foreplay and visits Andrew's construction with the express purpose of just being a fucking asshole. Oh my god! And he basically dad cucks Fred with a giant smile on his face and, and reveals all this stuff about the car. You, you and know Fred. A young man <laughs> no. never forgets his first car. Please. <laughs> An actual line from yeah. Hiram Lodge. It's it's, it's bad. Not, it's not and like okay. Archie tries to downplay Dad, it's just a car. afterwards. Oh Fred, Fred, oh god. Just a car? Oh, Did I raise you to be that spoiled? And it's like, God, he's so good. My my notes say Fred, oh no, my heart. Yeah, because Fred, of course, had planned on picking out a junker and fixing it up together for Archie's first car. And yes, my heart is broken. Alice is calling Chick on the phone, trying to extend an olive branch by voicemail. And Betty sort of sees the tail end of that. And Kevin receives an ultimatum regarding the Cheryl casting, basically like, I'm going to kill someone if you don't fix this. And I feel like Cheryl is more dramatic about this fact than anything in the actual play is. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, Penelope rolls up, and she's just so fucking pleased with herself and her ability to disallow her daughter from doing the play. And so, she sort of calls out... Go I want to rewind a second, because in Cheryl's reaction to that... She refers to herself as, quote, a dark phoenix reborn in the spotlight. Yeah. She's so good. She's very, very. And uh, Penelope calls out the Freudian matricidal uh, angle (laughs) of wanting to be Carrie White. And it's like, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? Yes. Mm -hmm. But we go through with the recasting because, you know, murder is not good for a production. And uh, I want to point out that when she hears about Penelope's role in screwing Cheryl over, Alice looks the least surprised ever. Like, oh, of course she would do that. And Midge is our new Carrie. Mm -hmm. We then move to Tony comforting Cheryl, who has stormed off uh, and is sad about not being able to stand up to her mom, which, like, in this moment, I was like, given the season one ending, it's weird that she feels like she can't stand up to her mom. But then, like, they acknowledge it in the text. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not the same girl who did all these scary, badass things to stand up for myself, is is how she feels. And, like, also quite on brand for Cheryl is that she's disappointed in herself for not being a vicious Mm anti-hero anymore. Mm -hmm. Cheryl Blossom is the Vegeta of Riverdale. (laughs) I wish that I was more horrifying. I remember back when I was a Saiyan prince. I was so brutal. I'd kill anyone who looked at me sideways. And now I'm wearing a pink shirt. Now look at me. Um, I cry every time I so much as look at trunks. Yep, it's bad. It's so bad. Alice's number as Mrs. White is fucking fantastic. Her incredible cloak. (laughs) Yes. And I have to say, this is the thing that runs counter to your criticism of the uh, musical accompaniment. Because... The dissonance and deliberately placed out of key notes in the accompaniment for this song is I think it does work with this one. 
This one is good, yes. It's so cool. And we get this weird moment at the end of the song where she replaces Carrie with Betty in the lyrics. But it's in a way that, like, it feels so deep in her POV and so in the hyper-real, like, metaphorical stuff that it feels less literal than just her obviously being worried about her relationship with her daughter during this musical number. Uh, But then just to make sure that we don't have to think too hard about whether that was a literal thing she did or that's just the emotions of the scene, she blurts out all about her abandonment issues just in front of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Betty, please don't go. Betty! Betty, I love you, Betty! We don't... I don't want you to leave me like everyone else! It's so true. It it, it just... Uh. Like... We had this really cool moment of subtlety with the framing and the POV, <laughs> and then we just sledgehammer it. Straight into the garbage. And then she goes running off crying, and Kevin's like, am I directing a train wreck? <laughs> and where's my tea? <laughs> <laughs> Which is another thing he's been waiting to say forever. <laughs> Oh, my God. (sighs) We talk about these abandonment issues between uh, Betty and Alice, and it's a good scene, and we're moving again into, like, redeemable Alice, which I like, but I do have a nit to pick Mm -hmm. here, because she's running down this litany of abandonment issues and things where she feels like she's failed her family and blah, 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 and we don't mention Polly or the babies. And I think it's because we're not supposed to, because she's been written out of the show, and we want to forget that she ever existed either as a network note or as a, like, just writer's room objective. But it's fucking bizarre to me that she doesn't mention the other kid that she drove off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Polly, I need to just... I need to, lev- I need to levy a couple charges against Riverdale in dropping some plot lines. We've already touched on one. We set up this fucking serpent club and we have not had a single little drop of no. D&D and that's fucked. Also, remember when Polly lived with a weird cult? Uh-huh. She lives with a cult actively. Well, she left. Oh, she did. She, was she going left. She to, like left. San Francisco yeah. or some shit. No, they just wrote it straight out of the show. So yep. we've never seen anything with the cult. We just know a cult exists. Not a single scene at the farm ever. God damn it. And it's done. God damn it. And they're not mentioning the involved character anymore. It's like such a jarring. That's such a weird wasted Like right thing. off. Like what the fuck? Like that whole thing was just tossed off of a bridge. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, other than that weird thing I noticed, it's a good scene between these two. Mm-hmm. Um... But I also have another thing to pick. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, one, one, one more question. Betty's concerns about how she can make her mother less miserable while not, like, fucking endangering her life seems like quite questionable material for the behind-the-scenes high school musical documentary. <laughs> All I'm oh, no. saying is that they're really shooting for the edit. Rob, Jughead is a fly on the wall. <laughs> He's not here. Don't question to his pick process. And choose what gets recorded. His duty is to record. Yeah. Anyway, that was fucking weird. <laughs> Very strange. Something that's weird to a character, but not to us. Archie is surprised to see Fred working on the set because, like, they argued, but Fred is still doing the thing he promised to do for his son. And like, this is another bit of like great self-aware writing. The idea of integrity confuses Archie. <laughs> Archie, you suck so bad. Yep. My my note for this scene is Archie is learning that he's shit. Yep. No, and that's and that we we continue that into the next scene. Archie has a confessional interview and shows a bit of self-awareness about how everyone thinks that he's great and he knows that he is not. He knows he's not the good guy or the hero in any story. The protagonist of the show who at the season finale of the previous season punched out a river and saved Cheryl saved best girl so like again this gives me so much hope that like he fucking is starting to understand what a goddamn wreck he is and to, to just move on even further he confronts Hiram and gives back the car saying that he's going to help Hiram with his shit, but Hiram cannot come between him and, him and his dad because that's a battle he will lose every time. Buddy, Hiram won that fight. 
95% of the time up until now. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> just because Archie says something doesn't mean it's right or smart or whatever. I just feel like he's being less of an asshole. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> Hal shows up with flowers. Oh, hold on. Oh, yeah. My note, the second I saw Hal was, Betty, Hal is a shit man. Yeah. He, sho- he shows up with... He shows up with flowers to Betty and Alice's uh, pre-show jitter party that they're having, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I also want to, they start the scene before he enters with Alice, like, giggling and saying, oh, we're so nervous. We're not going to eat this food anyway. (laughs) She clearly made, like, a quiche and a nice salad, too. It's a lot of wasted effort. (laughs) I just, it was very funny and very cute. Cute. Yep. She's just doing this more like she wants to relive her high school days so bad, you guys. Alice. <laughs> but she sends Betty from the room to tell Hal about Chick's parentage, which he already sort of suspected. And he says he doesn't care about that. And like, it's going to be good this time, baby. And it's just <sighs> exactly stop, like stop. an abuser who wants to get back into control again. And I'm very, very worried. Yep. Uh... I'm setting a clock on how many episodes we can go before FP punches out Hal. Because if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be mad. Couldn't possibly be more than six, because that's all we've got left. Um, Also, yeah, my note here is, you should not have taken him back. No, not at all. This is horrible. We see now that Archie has purchased the oldest, shittiest, and best car ever. Like, from a human being known as Junkyard Steve. Yes, Junkyard Steve sold him the desiccated corpse of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You did. Why and I mean, this that is one, Archie? Junkyard Steve, because it's a visual metaphor for like the not flashy, not rich, but come but on, integrity. But it doesn't have a like, windshield. It's, <laughs> it's it's the it's the. I mean, guys, it's the Fred car instead of the Hiram car, and it couldn't be more blunt. You could have gone with, like, a bug or something, though. Like, ugh. Something with an airbag. But, like, Fred is old-fashioned, guys. Ugh. Do you get it? Oh. oh. Do you get, oh. It? get it? Oh. Thank you. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. It, it's Junkyard Steve is the name of the guy who would have that car. Yes. So, points for that. That's my favorite Billy Joel song, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Fred comes really cr- close to crying. And I cry for real. Oh, yeah. And my for fuck's sake, Archie, my don't you fucking fuck this up, you fucking piece of shit. Yeah. My my notes say Archie bought a jalopy. Why does this make me cry? Oh, most of my feelings went to the next scene. Oh, <laughs> which my notes start with Cheryl. No, is that pig's blood? Oh, mine was Cheryl is going to carry her mom. She's doing it. She's doing blood dunked nightmare child uh well we 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 have not we have not yet we're we're missing something important that happens between these things though we have a we have like a another good parallel thing because they're getting ready for Mm -hmm. opening night and they're singing a song from the musical about getting ready for prom but i have to point out that in like the dressing room and in the hallway there are posters for a musical called lease in the rent font. Uh, no. Which is a joke, yes. Two of them. Which is a joke from the Team America movie. What? Why? I don't know. I hate that. That's... But it was it was in there. It was in there what twice. What is this universe? I hate it. I hate it. So, back to Cheryl. Yeah. Indeed. Because as that scene progressed, my notes went from, no, is that pig's blood? To an increasing size and intensity, me just writing the name Cheryl three more times, like, <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl, Cheryl! Oh, uh, I was so it's happy. so good. So, for a second, because they play this opposite, the getting ready for the big opening night thing, and simply because of where the bucket of pig's blood ends up in Carrie, I think we are being led to believe that she's going to go wreck the play, yeah. but that's not no. what she's doing. She dunks herself in pig's blood and is climax carried up to the fucking nines. She has a candelabrum. Yes. 
and she de- she confronts Penelope, demanding emancipation, and for Penelope and Claudius to leave her to live in Thistle House with Nana Rose, or she will murder yes. them. Whose blood is this? It's Jason's yeah. blood. That's oh. right. It's so dramatic. It's just all cap Cheryl, yes. I just, I'm so, uh-huh. it's so and good. Then Penelope says, nightmare child, what do you want from me? And she she says that's what she wants and delivers the line, you and Uncle Claudius are pig people (laughs) and should live amongst (laughs) the pigs. This is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. It's the best. Yeah, it is. It really is. We then cut to Hermione rubbing elbows with people at the show. We can see that like her campaign has taken out ad space in the program and it's all very slimy. Then FP shows up at the show, clearly for Alice, and he sees Alice and Hal being all nicey-nice and turns around and leaves, and I'm like, for fuck's sake. It sucks. It sucks so bad. It sucks. You're right. It really fucking sucks. sucks. (sighs) Then we see a scene showing that Fangs Fogarty might be a little bit bi. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he was given some uh, last-minute notes to Midge, which, (laughs) yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Ethel's missing. Jughead looks for her. She's got the cut-up magazines in her wastebasket, which, my goodness, she should have thrown away at home. Yes, that uh, was my If she wanted not to be caught. And then we get a gross scene where Veronica forgives Chuck on behalf of the group. Your pariah ship is officially over. Fuck you. Chick randomly shows up and is like, I'm here to watch you in the play, my beloved sister. And, like, there's just a ton of weird forgiveness going on. And, like, I don't like most of it. Especially here at the end, it's all garbage. Uh, But it really does throw Cheryl into such stark relief and makes her look so much even cooler. Because she's like, no, I'm not going to forgive you. No, fuck all of you. (laughs) Yep. It's really good. If you don't give me what you want, I will kill you. Cheryl, yes. Yeah, then we... Yeah. And then we get uh, Madge Dynamic in her full Piper Laurie costume, and it's amazing, mm-hmm. like with the hair yeah. and everything, and she's doing a great job. And then Jesus fucking oh, Christ. God. Midge is impaled on the stage. There's a general panic and a note written in blood claiming this murder for the Black, the Black Hood. Hood. came back in the you guys, fucking musical episode. Which... The thing that I prayed was true is at least in some sense true. That wasn't meant to be the final end of the Black Hood saga. And like the sort of good part of season two did not just end on a wet fart. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy. I feel bad about Midge, but I'm happy. I feel very, very, very bad about about Midge. Midge. That's just, she's a beloved comics character and she's dead now. And I mean, and you think Riverdale gives a fuck about your beloved comics history? Not. Moose did her so dirty. Uh, yeah, all of this, all of this sucks so bad. Alice did a, a, a Majin did a beautiful delivery on somebody should help her. For God's sakes, help her! Like that was a it yeah. was painful. It was very good. Mm-hmm. She's it's because she's the best actress in this yeah. show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But that whole thing was just like, ooh, she's really, that she, she's really fucking good. That uh, uh, that poor kid stabbed through that thing hurt. It was a a good, shocking, sad thing. But if you're me, uh, you're going. Well, it's no surprise because pal's fucking there. Because that's that too. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, we'll we'll wait to see yeah. about that. So, God. Is this going to be a really quick Riverdue discussion? Because my Riverdue is is Cheryl just, like, turning her deadly laser eyes on Penelope and, like, reclaiming all of her power and just, yeah, being a nightmare child like she's supposed to be. Yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. I have anything other than that. That was my favorite part. Um, Like a small nod to a runner-up of Archie and Fred finally, like, repairing that relationship. Aww. Oh, that's, that's a runner-up, but... It's on probation. Yes, because Archie because Archie can easily fuck it up at any time, and like we haven't seen enough of resolution from that yet. One hundred percent agreed. If that lands, it's going to be one of my favorite Riverdues in the whole show because it's Jesus Christ. Like again, Fred is like the 
easy shortcut into my ugly cry zone. Yeah. Um, but but that's my Riverdue. God damn it, uh, Cheryl. Yes. She's the best. Yes. I love her so much. Agreed. Agreed. River don't. Then. My River don't. I don't think I can like complain about the entire theme of forgiveness in the episode, but obviously like Chuck and Hal especially to me, like yeah. cuz you know Chuck's still a child. He's a shitty 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 person, but like he at least has kept saying he's trying to be better and we haven't seen him harass anyone for a while, but like we've seen Hal do nothing but awful things ever. Mm-hmm. It's very undeserved and very unearned. Yeah, that's as I, I just, said before that like I don't think that you couldn't do stuff with like a redemption arc for Chuck. I, he's a child, and I'd like to think that he could be redeemed, right? But yes, you just need to see him apologize for apologize, his specific yes. actions and show learning, you know? Exactly. Yeah, they've written themselves exactly. into a weird corner, too, at least in terms of like what I would expect the network would have to say, yeah. though, because Hal and especially Chuck are such minor characters yeah. that it would be difficult to argue to spend screen time on that yep. stuff when clearly the execs don't care no. about it. No, they don't. They really um, don't. And so it's like they've written themselves in this situation where they have these redemptive or at least potentially redemptive situations going on, but like they don't have the time or space to spend on these largely inconsequential characters showing them doing the work. Yeah. And so they just kind of skip to the end on it. But, like, especially in Hal's case, it makes no goddamn sense. I hate Agreed. it. That that was mine as well. It was that those bad forgivenesses. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I have a separate thing so that it's not... Because, like, honestly, Chick being like, I sort of respect you now that I'm terrified of you to Betty, like, that almost works. That's not as bad as these other ones no. are. I mean, that's absolutely the worst thing that happened in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah. yeah, if you had any runners up, you can mention them. But yeah, I mean mm-hmm. it's pretty uniform that like Yeah. Uh I'll say as a as a runner up, Betty initiating the contact with Hal at all mm. mm-hmm. seemed like a bad move. It is. It's a Well, just a fucking character break, right? Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean like I don't love what they're doing with Ethel. Yeah. But like we don't have a strong enough read on her to know that this isn't fine, you know? Like Mm-hmm. It's they don't give their minor characters enough for me to be like you know she yeah. wouldn't do this bullshit. Yeah, so it's um weekly weirdness. <laughs> God, I mean I think I to even deal with it I have to just take as granted that this is a musical episode with the conventions of a musical and there's like a documentary being gorilla shot in the middle of it and like. <laughs> fuck you just have to deal with it like you just have to sort of accept these conceits it's all so So crazy and let's find the weirdness you have to you have to move past that to get into something a little more substantial because like weekly weird weekly weird all this is not very interesting god what what even is i i think maybe my weekly weird which like i'm sure is gonna be like further dealt with later and like it probably will end up being less weird at least than it is now but the way that we've got these threats about cheryl being cast as carrie like we're mad about that and we clearly implicate ethel in the note sending situation and potentially the sandbag dropping situation like i mean first off it is weird that she's willing to literally risk killing cheryl over this but like especially when she has a much better reason to be angry at veronica and her response to that in the previous episode was milkshake it's just like like it doesn't like it's just so weird to me but then like midge gets fucking murdered so like clearly the threats being claimed as being from black hood and then this murder being claimed as black hood i don't know if either of them are actually black hood but they're not the same person right like what is happening <laughs> i'm happy that the black hood plot is cropping back up but like i'm quite confused mm-hmm. it's a lot um mine i think that's like a, a really good one mine is archie why that car from junkyard steve great yeah that's a good one <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm glad you got that one. I mean, I don't know what you guys. I already told you, but <laughs> I, I feel very strongly about this one. It's just why that car. I, I know the. I know the reason, and I told you the reason. But you guys are right. It's, it's stupid. It's, it's weird. That's the thing about Archie it. It's not not Riverdale. Not going to drive around, 
in a car from 1917. <laughs> I can't wait. They better He's just going like they to better start not wearing a tweed jacket <laughs> and wear like, a, like putting on driving scarf and gloves. goggles. Scarf and goggles. Here's the thing. Just like they better not fuck up the emotional thing because, like, Fred has never been more vulnerable than mm-hmm. this, and Archie is one fuck up away from me literally wanting him dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, they better they better not promise us this ridiculous car and not show us that because like, this show has a poor, it's got a a bad poor track, track record. record when it comes to really giving us the money shot on weird car stuff. Hey, Dad, I bought this hearse from Junkyard Steve. <laughs> Want to soup well, it up? Well, shit, we're never going to see that, are we? Uh, mine is uh, FP. Wh- why so cold to Alice? What's going on? What's, what's going on? I mean, it's an, it's an unmotivated <laughs> grab for conflict. I, <laughs> like, I see that. It's really the writer's the writer's hand is very but very it's like showing. Me, yeah. It's made me a person who justifies things have to jump through a bunch of hoops. <laughs> In other words, a viewer of Riverdale. <laughs> Someone who has to justify things. It's not very kind of you writers of Riverdale. It's very like you're you're asking me to do a you lot are. of work. It's a lot <laughs> of work. More work than usual. <laughs> it's a lot of work for shitty yeah, payoff. Is. Just to bring Hal back in? No. No. This he is... better he better be the black hood and FP better Strangle fucking the fucking him. life out of him. It's such bullshit. This is such bullshit, this thing that you're doing. And it's weird. <gasps> oh. It feels so oh, weird. They just banged last episode, and FP and... doesn't seem to be a hot and cold asshole. So what are you no, doing? No, he no he's he's like a nice yeah. guy. And as I mentioned the idea of FP putting an end to Hal, who's almost certainly the black hood. <laughs> Why are you I... killing people, by the way? Jesus fuck, Hal. Well, right, and... What did Midge do? I can just imagine FP whispering in Hal's ear as he dies, a girl never forgets her first <laughs> car. Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, Quinn. 